The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory be to God. If you are glad to be in the house, before you take your seats, come on, give the Lord one more shout. All right, please remain standing. Um, today is Fragrance Sunday. And though we will not be going out together as a church to evangelize our communities, we are suspending that for the time being because of the rainy season. We don't want you to lose the culture and the habits of witnessing to people and inviting people to church. We don't want that to drop. That's one of the reasons why we pick one Sunday where we go out together so we can remind ourselves that one of the major reasons why we are Christians on the face of the earth in God's mind, according to God's plan, according to God's will, is for us to evangelize our world. Praise God. So we are focusing this rainy season, this time to encourage you to invite people personally. Somebody say personally. And that's why we've given you the invite cards towards Grace Culture. We expect you to have registered by now. If you have not registered, you are simply a suspect. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're asking you to do in this remaining one week before the conference is to invite people so we are giving you two cards each please use them to invite people there are also church invite cards in case you want to invite people for our regular worship service hallelujah so please do that I'll talk to you again about that at the end of the service glory be to God lift those hands one more time and say with me Father send us your word today let healing come let deliverance come, let breakthrough come, let provision come, let prosperity come like we've never had it before. Speak to our hearts, Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouted aloud, Amen. Amen. All right, high five your neighbor to your left and to your right. You can be seated in God's presence. Praise God. Okay. We've been talking about stewardship, prosperity, and I believe this is our third Sunday sermon. We've also had some in-depth teaching during the midweek services. I want to encourage anyone that missed the midweek meetings to please get the messages. It will even help you comprehend better what we are talking about on Sunday. And on Wednesday, let me just continue from where we left off. We started looking into Jesus' teachings, Jesus' understanding, Jesus' revelation about stewardship. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday, we talked about the fact that we can only prosper within the context of our relationship with God. As Christians, the, the, the prosperity we have it's a supernatural kind of prosperity. Now, supernatural. So it can impact upon the natural, but it's not primarily natural. Ephesians 1.3, God blessed us not with dollars and pounds, but with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, the good news is those spiritual blessings can be converted to dollars and pounds and naira, can I hear a loud amen? amen? But you need to understand the kind of prosperity you have. It's first of all spiritual. So we, 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 we talked about Joseph. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on him again today. Genesis 39. The Bible said though he was a slave in Potiphar's house, because God was with him, he was still a prosperous man. That's this kind of prosperity we have. You may not have money in your account. You may not have the kind of clothes you want. You may not have the kind of car you want. You may not be where you want to be yet. And we, again, prosperity is not just limited to money. You may not have the kind of job you want. Your marriage may not be where you want it to be. Your relationship may not be where you want it to be. 
it doesn't mean you are not prosperous if you are in covenant with God, if you are a child of God like we are, if God is with you like God was with Joseph. Praise the Lord. And what you need to learn, which is a big part of what we are teaching, is how to now convert. Somebody say convert. The blessings you have in the realm of the Spirit into the natural earthly places. Praise the Lord. And we said there are keys to that. A vital key is stewardship. Knowing how to live like a steward, like a servant. Yes, you are not primarily a servant. Um, our primary identity is that we are sons and daughters of God. But that is not the only definition of our relationship with God. We talked about that last week. So you need to define your relationship with God completely. Don't just tell yourself, I'm a son of God. And you're only trying to live like a child of God. No, you will not prosper the way God wants you to prosper. Because truly, you are not just a son of God. You are a son of God who also is a worshiper of God. That's why you're in church on a Sunday morning. That's why you sing songs and declare things like, Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. You are my healer. I call you Jesus. I call you Savior. You are worshiping. And that plays a lot into your prosperity. And also, you are a servant. And we started looking at what Jesus' thought on stewardship because that's what we are focusing on. God gave us a word for this second half of the year. Serve me. Serve me. And we've taken steps in church to ensure that everyone, can I hear somebody shout, that includes me. You have a platform where you can serve God in this church. On Wednesday, we talked about the fact that Jesus said... We are stewards of life. You are to steward your life. You've got to see life as not your property, your own life. It's God's property. And what God expects you to do is to steward that life. Today, I want to talk to you about us being stewards of talents. That's another thing Jesus taught. In fact, three major things I want you to see from the teachings of Jesus on stewardship that relates to prosperity. It, it, it taught that we are stewards of life, which we looked at on Wednesday. I won't go into that again. Then it said we are stewards of talents. Now, in the text, talents, we're going to look at that text shortly. Talents, there was money. But if you look at what he's teaching, he's not just talking about money. He's saying God will give you things. And what God expects of you is to steward them. If you steward the things God has given you well, God will give you more. You will prosper. God will promote you. God will elevate you. God will increase you. Let me hear somebody shout, that's my portion. If you don't steward what God has given you in your life, the very thing you have that you are not stewarding well, God will collect it from you and give it to Pastor T. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. God will collect and give it to someone that is still what God has given him well. Amazing thought. That's what we want to look at today. Say with me, I'm a steward of talents. Hallelujah. And I've come to understand that talents can refer to your time. You see, in the, in the parable, we'll, we'll get into it later on. I want to quickly lay another foundation again or mention something very powerful. In, in the Bible, Jesus said he, he, um, the master gave some people five talents, he gave somebody two talents, and he gave somebody one talent. And that's how life is. We are not gifted on the same level, but we are all gifted. There's nobody that doesn't have something. Some people try to say they don't have anything. Ah, I don't have anything. Hey, no, you're just deceiving yourself. At the minimum, you will have one. And when you consider the fact that time is a talent, if there's something everybody has, is time. Can I hear a loud amen? In fact, that's something that all of us have in equal measure. Donald Trump doesn't have 48 hours a day because he's now president of the United States and he has more work to do. So they give him more time. No. He has 24 hours a day like every single other human being on the face of the earth. What may be happening is that Donald Trump is stewarding his time better than the average person. And that may be the reason why he's president of the United States of America. 
and somebody else is... You get the point. Abilities are talents. Your abilities. Your resources are talents. And of course, money is a talent, which was what Jesus used in the text. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. But I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 3 this morning before we look at this. We go into that. Let me just, again, put this, and I'm sure I've mentioned this earlier. Your, your journey into manifesting prosperity, if you are not yet manifesting prosperity, and again, we're not just talking finances or material possessions here. It can be in your health. It can be maritally. It can be career your journey into manifesting that or manifesting a higher level of prosperity, it begins with you believing. We started by laying the foundation that it is God's will for us to prosper. Hallelujah. Um, you, you can have faith when you know the will of God. So I, I want to say this to you this morning again, just to add something to what we've said. You prosper to the degree of your faith. Last week I said you prosper in the context of your relationship with God. So you need to define that relationship very well. Today I'm telling you, you prosper to the degree of your faith. You need to believe. I said at the beginning of the series, never ever fall into the temptation of Jeremiah. That because of the difficulty you are going through, you forget prosperity. He said you have removed my soul from peace. I almost forgot prosperity. And I want to reiterate that again. This is where my heart is. And I pray for that person that may be here this morning. Or maybe you are watching this on the internet later on. And because your health has been troubled for a long time. Or your marriage has been troubled for a long time. Or you've not been able to get married. Or financially things have been difficult for a very long time. You have come to this place where you are no longer believing the word of God. I want to start by talking to such people. You are frozen. You are frozen. Oh, yes, you are coming to church, but in your heart of hearts, you yourself know you are not really believing this gospel that we are preaching. Frozen. You see, some of the things we do in church, like making confessions of the word, we are, we are teaching you because that's how you exercise faith. And I wonder how many people leave church and rather than declaring what the word of God says about them, you are saying something else. So Hebrews 3.12, Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, um, the Bible was telling us, in fact, very interesting, Hebrews 3 and 4 starts by comparing sonship with stewardship juxtaposing Moses to Jesus or with Jesus. And it starts on this premise that, look, we are not just mere servants like Moses was. We are now sons like Jesus was. And, and, I, and I think this is where some people make that mistake that, oh, and, and you know, we, we dealt with this in our workers' conferences for about two years, in the last two or three years, that we are no longer servants. We are not just servants any longer. And that is true. We are now sons that serve. So he started by talking about that. And he now went on to say, um, and this is why he was talking about Moses, that verse 12 is where I want to pick it up from. He said, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So he, he, he talked about Moses and he was referencing the experience the children of Israel had when they came out of Egypt. And the fact that they came out of Egypt and they were on their way to their promised land. But because of the challenges they met in the wilderness, many of them stopped believing what God told them. Rather than believe that because God was with them, they were prosperous and they can take over the promised land even though they are giants in the land. Most of them, or practically all of them that were of age in that generation that left Egypt, they chose rather to believe that they could not take the promised land. Oh, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. We are not able to prosper and to take the promised land. 
And that's what he was dealing with here. Praise the Lord. Be careful that don't allow the difficulty of your wilderness experience bring you to that place where you are now no longer believing what God said. Hallelujah. Verse 13, exhort one another daily. While it is called today, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm exhorting you. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Glory be to God. You, you go on to chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains to enter his rest, let us fear, as in reverence God, lest any of us who you, you should seem to come short of it. And this is where I really want to emphasize this morning, verse 2 of chapter 4. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. To them who? To them that came out of Egypt. They were given good news that God had prepared a promised land for them. A, man, a land flowing with milk and honey. And that God was taking them there. But on the way, somebody say on the way. On the way to the promised land, because they had some challenges in the wilderness, they lost hearts. They lost faith. Indeed, the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, but the word which they heard did not profit them. It did not bring prosperity to manifest in their life. Why? They did not mix what they had with faith. Oh, glory be to God. So I want to start from there this morning. I hope and I pray that whoever you are under the sound of my voice, regardless of the wilderness experience you are going through, oh, you have bills that are due and you don't know how you are going to pay them. Oh, you have debts you are not able to pay and it doesn't look as if there's a, um, there's a solution. I hope you are not coming into the mistake these people made, but rather you are mixing what you are hearing with faith. Because that's what you ought to do. He said, if you don't mix what you are hearing, what are you hearing? I'm telling you that you're already blessed. You are not going to be blessed. You're already blessed. You are prosperous already. Hallelujah. You may be going through a wilderness now. You may be seeing giants in your promised land. And you may not be able to figure out how you are going to come into that land flowing with milk and honey. But I want to encourage you, my brother, my sister. Believe. Don't cast away your confidence. Hallelujah. Don't cast away your confidence. He said they did not prosper or they did not profit because they stopped believing. They stopped believing. Leave those hands with me this morning again and say, I believe. Jesus, you are the way. See, that, that's what happened. They lost, they lost themselves in the way. The pressure of the wilderness got to them. But somebody say with me, Jesus is my way. Jesus, you are my truth. Jesus, you are my life. If you continue walking in that path, Jesus will eventually get you to your promised land. We are still talking about knowing Jesus in church. This teaching on prosperity, knowing Jesus, you see the flag on the artwork. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You believe that Jesus has finished the work of your prosperity. This is New Testament prosperity we are talking about. Before you spoke a word, before you took up a first job, you were already prosperous. Pastor, how did that happen? By the favor of God. I hope you are still believing that. The temptation is, rather than believe that you are prosperous just by favor, because you don't have money in your account, you are beginning to say you, you are broke. You are not rich. Or because there are symptoms of sin in your body, you are not confessing that you are sick. I mean, you are confessing that you are sick. Rather than declaring that I'm healed. Shout out loud with me again. I believe Jesus. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Declare with me. It's a new dawn for me. It's a new horizon for me. My eyes are set on Jesus. Not on my problems. They did not mix the good news they had. That they are already prosperous. 
by the favor of Almighty God. Is that good news for somebody this morning? Say they didn't mix it with faith. And that's what we are to do. Tap your neighbor and say, mix it with faith. Mix it with faith. Mix it with faith. Mix it with faith. Keep believing what God has said, regardless of the wilderness. Praise the Lord. Regardless of the wilderness. Now, I want to go a little deeper with this. I, someone made this statement and it struck a chord with me this week. Not because I entirely agree with that statement, but I've heard people say things like that. And I know the thought or the reason behind it. So this was the statement the person said. Please hear me and hear me very carefully. He said, there are many Christians that are bad human beings. Now, I'm not getting to the debate of whether it is true or not. Sometimes I think it's difficult or it's not proper to make such statements because quite honestly, you don't have the empirical data to make it. Only God can know. But there's a reason why people say that. Have you heard this once before? There are many Christians that are bad husbands or bad wives. Or this one, there are many pastors that are not even Christians. <laughs> I mean, people say things like that, and you hear it a lot. And there's a reason why they are saying it. And, and this is the reason why they are saying it. They see people that profess to be Christians on Sunday morning, dress up, come to church, sing in church, shout in church, dance in church, confess in church, which you should do, glory be to God. But Monday to Saturday, they don't see them living out their faith. Living your faith. So yes, he came to church. Yes, he sang with us in church. But Wednesday, he got a bad report. Maybe he lost his job. And when he got home, his wife was trying to counsel him. And out of anger, he just slapped his wife. He can't slap his boss anyway. So he takes it out on his wife. Christian, no, but a bad husband. So, people have seen those kind of things, and the reason why they say these kind of things they are saying, I don't think it's necessarily true, but there's a reason why people say things like that. Pastors that are, I was the pastor yesterday, and was talking about the fact that one day, um, a, a taxi driver brought his wife home, and they agreed on an amount, but when they now got to the house, the, the taxi driver now wanted to swindle the wife and charge more money. So the wife got angry and just left. And the man, the taxi driver followed the wife into their compound and was just harassing her. So the pastor came out, the husband, and he saw this taxi driver harassing his wife. And the wife told him what happened. And he was now trying to explain to the guy. And the guy was still trying to get aggressive with, the, with, um, with his wife. And he's a pastor. He said he didn't even know how his hand rose up and he gave the guy a slap. <laughs> pastor. <laughs> and the guy went to tell him, I gave him another slap again. That before, he said he didn't even know how his hand moved. That he had given the guy two dirty slaps. And the reason why that was, he saw that the guy was trying to harass his wife and attack his wife. And he was just standing up to defend his wife. So the guy went, he and his wife, and I was there, and by the time they were going up, he said, now, what have I even done? How can I be slapping someone like that? This taxi driver now went to the park to get all his other colleagues. And they came back with the head of the organization and entered the house. So the pastor came out. But fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, the head of the organization knew the pastor. said, ah, when you saw him, he said, ah, pastor. <laughs> it's because it's you. <laughs> so he too was even now feeling bad that he had brought disrepute to the high office of a pastor. So people say things like that, that pastors that are not even Christians, that's what all these pastors are doing. And it's because they see people that are not living their faith. Oh, they confess the faith quite all right. But they don't live the faith. And that's why what we are teaching in church is vital. Faith is not just something we confess. In fact, what the Bible actually says is we are to profess faith. There's a big difference between confession and profession. In confession, you may not profess, but in profession, you confess. Profession means your way of life. So like you're a doctor. You are not just a doctor because you, you passed the medical bar exam and you came for your induction and you raised your hand and you took the oath that I'm going to be a doctor. You've made a good confession before many witnesses. But you're a doctor because on Monday, you treat patients in the hospital. 
You profess your faith. It's a profession. It's what you do. It's how you live. And that is what Jesus is teaching us in his, in his messages. That's what a big portion of the teachings in scripture are all about. Professing what you believe. Oh, I believe I am prosperous. I believe Jesus has paid the price for my prosperity. I am as rich as God. I am the heir of God. You believe all those things. I believe Jesus finished the work on the cross for me to be prosperous. Leave it. Leave it. Because if you don't leave it, then we accuse you of being a pastor that is not a Christian. Because you will eventually do something that you're not supposed to be doing. Watch what we are talking about now. We've seen from scriptures, stewardship is connected to prosperity. Hallelujah. That's all over Bible. Let me quote some of the scriptures we, um, we've, we've talked about again. Exodus 23, 25. Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. You shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. Yes, the way we steward under the new covenant is different from the way they stewarded under the old covenant. But we are still required to steward because that's how we are going to live out our faith. Under the old covenant, it's when they stewarded that God blessed them. That dynamic has changed tremendously under the new covenant. We were blessed from day zero. Glory be to God. Somebody said how? Through the finished work of Christ, I am already blessed. Hallelujah. In my stewardship, I manifest the blessing. That's how it works for us. And that's how I express my faith after I confess it on Sunday morning in church. Or Tuesday or Wednesday, after the confession. I live the faith. If they obey and serve him, Job 36, 11, they will spend their days in prosperity, their years in pleasure. Somebody say that with me again. I have days of prosperity. I have years of pleasure. And it's connected to stewardship. So when we don't understand stewardship, and if we don't understand stewardship, we can't live out stewardship. When we are not living out our faith, we are really not in faith. Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. If you truly believe Jesus has obtained prosperity for you, serve. Because that's what was taught. And I can tell you, my brother, my sister, maybe the reason why you are not serving is because you don't really believe. Maybe. You are the one that will tell me whether you are in faith or not. That's what these teachings are for. Hallelujah. You need to believe. Hallelujah. Because if you don't mix faith with the gospel you are hearing, it will not produce profit or results in your life. Say with me, that will never be my story. And if you are mixing faith with it, it's not just a confession, my brother, my sister. It's a profession. You've got to live it out. How am I to live? That is what we are teaching. Live like a servant. You've got to develop the mentality of a servant. Yes, you're a son. Yes, you're a daughter. But you must think like a servant, talk like a servant, act like a servant. And we gave you certain qualities to develop. You're going to live like a born servant. Glory be to God. So Jesus taught us steward life. You've got to come to this place. Many Christians are not there. You don't yet understand that the life you have is not your own. You are still living unto yourself. We dealt with that on Wednesday. No, that's not what Jesus thought. The life God gave you is not yours. Let me, let me define what a servant is or what a steward is. A, a servant is very simple. Somebody that is under the employment of someone. That means you have a boss. You are accountable to someone. But I, I love the definition of a steward. It, it, it brings it into greater, um, it gives it better, bigger understanding. Who is a steward? Dictionary definition. Then we're going to Bible definition. Dictionary definition. A person who manages another's property 
or financial affairs. That's what we mean by a steward. Hallelujah. A person who manages something for somebody else. So this is what Jesus taught. God is the author of life. God is the giver of life. John chapter 12, we saw that in the text on Wednesday. He that lives for himself, he that loves his life, he will lose it. But he that hates his life, he will gain it, or he will gain eternal life. And then he now said, if any man serves me. So he's not telling you to go and hang yourself or, or jump off Todd Millan Bridge because you hate your life. No, he's saying that phrase, hate your life, is he's saying you humble yourself and you serve other people with your life. Serve God, serve men with your life. Why? The life is not yours. You are only a custodian. And after several decades, God will collect that life back. And God will require you to give account of what you did in this body with that life. And based on what you did, God will reward you. But you see, the rewards or the blessings don't come just when we die. Even while we are here on earth, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth. So we are not just going to start serving after we die. Yes, we will serve after we die. But while we are here on the earth, we are supposed to take hold of the keys of how heaven operates and use them here on earth. And we can have heaven on earth. Heaven on earth in the area of prosperity means while everybody is saying there's a casting down, you will be saying there's a lifting up. While everybody is falling sick, you will be healthy. While everybody is broke, you will be prosperous. You will be like Isaac. We prayed about that at the beginning of the service. In a time of famine, God gave him an instruction and Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped a hundredfold. That is mixing faith with the gospel you had and bringing profit. Heaven on earth. That's how we are to live as Christians. Something is wrong if we are not prospering. We said that at the beginning of this teaching. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're not born again. That doesn't mean you're not a child of God. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. But that is not the plan. The path of the just is to shine brighter and brighter. You are to be like a tree that brings forth its fruit in a season. Whatever you lay your hands on prospers. You are to be like Isaac. Genesis 26, 13. The man began to prosper. You are not just to begin to prosper. He continued to prosper. And he became very prosperous. Lift your hands and shout, that is my story. I didn't hear somebody this morning say, that is my testimony. And for that to happen, we must lay hold on the keys. By faith. And lead them. Leave them. To be able to do that, we must understand. And Jesus gave us understanding. Number one, he said, steward life. Don't live for yourself. Number two, steward your talents. Or be a steward of talents. Now, let me say this here. Remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 4? The widow woman. Her broke husband was in debt and he died. And they were going to take her children. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. When the prophet asked her, what do you have in your house? Her response, very instructive. Because I know there are people that think like that woman here this morning. I have nothing. I want to talk to that person before we read um, Matthew 25. You have nothing. Who told you that? Who told you that? Part of the problem is some people, when they think prosperity, they're only thinking about money. So when they say I have nothing, what they're saying is I don't have money in my bank account. Good news. God doesn't have money in his bank account. So you're in good company. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? I even have better news. You're even better than God. God does not even have a bank account. So don't let any devil deceive you that because you don't have money. That's why you're not prosperous. Professor, what do you have? Eventually he said, I have a pot of oil. And it was through that pot of oil, that one talent. Glory be to God. God blessed it. Hallelujah. It increased. Hallelujah. She paid off her debts. Hallelujah. And she lived off the rest. I prophesy over somebody here. This season of your life, God will fix every financial and marital and health challenge in your life in the name of Jesus. 
and he will fix it to overflow. But you've got to learn what Jesus is teaching us. Matthew 25. Quickly, let's go there. Hallelujah. Declare with me this morning, I am a steward of life. Steward of life. And I'm a steward of talents. Hallelujah. Let's, before we read Matthew 25, let's quickly define further who, who, who is a steward. So we, you, you are someone that um, somebody else's property has been committed to your hands. And the first property Jesus taught us to think that has been committed to our hands is the very life that we have. So the good steward is that person that did what the master wanted him to do with their life. An evil steward is the one that did not do what the master wanted him to do with your life. The first thing God wants to do with your life is to get born again. You know God is not going to force you to get born again. Hallelujah. Then the next thing will go after you are born again, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship. From verse 5, he said we are saved by grace. Verse 8, we are saved by grace through faith. Verse 10, he said, now that we are saved by grace through faith, we are his workmanship created unto good works, which God preordained for us to walk in. So God expects you to serve him with your life. That's what Jesus taught in John chapter 12. Hallelujah. Who is a steward? Just before we go on to Matthew 25, 1 Corinthians 4, the Bible says something there. I love the title in my Bible, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. Let a man, Apostle Paul was talking about himself and his co-laborers in the ministry. Let a man consider us as stewards of Christ. Servants of Christ, rather, and stewards of the mysteries of God. If you don't get servant, you get steward. Say with me, I'm a servant of Christ and a steward of the mystery of God. We can say it this way, a steward of the kingdom secrets of God. You see, this is how we are to think. This is how we are to live. And if we can think and live this way, we will prosper. That's what I'm teaching you because you are already prosperous. If you can think and live this way, the prosperity that is inside of you already, as you follow the stewardship example of Jesus, will begin to manifest in your life. We are not teaching you this thing because we think you are not prosperous. No, that's not what we said. We told you you are already prosperous. We are just teaching you how to work it out. Let every man think of us as servants of Christ. See what's of the mystery of God, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards. I'm defining stewardship for you now. A steward is someone that somebody else's property has been put in your custody for you to take care of. But it's not just that. You are someone that we have committed things that are not yours into your hands. And you are required to be found faithful. Hallelujah. I said Hallelujah. Found faithful. That means whatever God has committed to your hands, specifically this man, I'm talking about the talents. God has committed to your hands. What does it mean to be faithful? Number one, you must know the will of the master. Two, you must do the will of the master. Three, you must continue to do the will of the master. That's what faithfulness is. So God has committed this church into my hands as the pastor. I should know what that means to pastor. I need to go and learn what it means to pastor, how to pastor, how to lead. I must do it. And I must continue to do it. Not that I do it last week, I don't do it this week. Or I did it at the beginning of the year. And because the year was a bit challenging, I've stopped doing it at the end of the year. Mm. Jesus added something else in defining what stewardship is. So I'm a steward and I'm expected or required to be faithful. Matthew 24, 45. Look at something else Jesus added in defining stewardship for us. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Who is master made ruler over his household? So I'm not only required to be faithful. Things have been committed into my hands that are not my own. Starting with my life. I'm supposed to be faithful with those things. I'm also supposed to be wise with those things. 
Glory be to God. That's why I'm teaching you all these things I'm teaching you. That's why we are looking at the teachings of Jesus. How many people understand that Jesus was wise? Say with me, Christ has been made unto me wisdom from God. This is how you get wisdom. What did Jesus say about this matter? And you take what he said and you begin to apply it in your everyday life. You don't condemn yourself when you find something he said that you are not doing. What do you do? You correct yourself. You improve yourself. You add something to your arsenal that wasn't there before. Okay, I wasn't doing this. From today, I will start doing it. You are becoming wise. Number three, Jesus said something else about stewardship, defining it for us. Luke 19, verse 17. And we're going to see this in the Matthew 25. We're going to study in a minute. Glory be to God. And he said to him, Luke 19, 17. Well done, good servant. Praise the Lord. And this is what he meant by good. You have been faithful in very little. Hmm? Have authority over 10 cities. So this is what I'm telling you. We are people that God has committed things to our hands. And we are people that we are to apply faithfulness to the things God has committed to our hands. We are to apply wisdom to the things God has committed to our hands. And we are to get good results. Good, you must get results, sir. Your one city must become two cities after a while. Can I hear a loud amen? That's the kind of see what the Bible is looking for. Your two cities must become five cities after a while. Glory be to God. Are you with me this morning? Your five cities must become how many cities after a while? Ten cities. That's when you are doing it the way it ought. And as you do that, he rewards you. He increases you. He prospers you. He elevates you. Let me hear someone shout again. That's my testimony. That's my testimony. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. Say with me, I'm a steward of life. And I'm a steward of talents. Matthew 25, 14. Let me begin to close. So what we are challenging you today is identify the talents that God has placed in your life. Starting with time. Then look at the abilities you have. Look at the resources you have. And look at the money you have. Let's stay with those four. Of course, resources, money can also be categorized under resources. But I want to bring it out. Because Jesus brought it out in his parables. What is God's will for me? See, the, let's talk about money. We teach a lot about the things the Bible tells us to do with our finances in church. What is God's will to do with my money? Do those things. Know those things. Do those things. Continue to do them. That's how you steward your money. What is God's will for the abilities God has given me? Find out your purpose. Serve God. Serve humanity with your purpose. And be wise about it. Hallelujah. And be good about it. Hallelujah. That's what we are talking about. And it's not difficult. Jesus will teach you. Holy praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost will help you. Hallelujah. You just need to commit yourself to it. That's the one nobody can do for you. Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven. Question again, where are your riches, somebody? Where, 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 where are your riches? Heavenly places. This is what we are talking about. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you how heaven operates. And though you are in earthly places, when you begin to use the heavenly keys, you will have heaven on earth. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. This is how the kingdom of heaven operates. It's like a man traveling to a far country, called his own servant and delivered his goods to them. And he gave one five talents, gave another one two talents, gave one one talent. To each according to his ability. Hallelujah. And immediately went on his journey. Now, of course, 
the major person that was talked a lot about in this parable was the one talent guy. So I'm going to spend a bit of time talking to one talent people in this place. Who are the one talent people? People that keep looking at what other people have that they don't have. People that are not doing anything with what they have. Don't move too much. They won't know I'm talking about you. But before we get to one talent people, let me quickly talk to five talent people and two talent people. You will notice something about these two cat- um, this category of people. They, 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 they increased. So for everyone that is already prospering under the sound of my voice, don't park where you are. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? Don't park where you are. If you park with your five talent or your ten talent, you have become the one talent guy. So what you did... Why is my life like this? You need to answer that question yourself. What are the things that brought me from where I used to be to where I am now? How can I do it even better with more light? Glory be to God. So the five talent guy multiplied his talent, used it. Remember, he called them servants. And he called this one good and faithful servant. This is the person I'm looking for. The two talent guy did the same thing. The one talent guy. Let's look at what he told the one talent guy. He didn't do anything. Praise the Lord. Verse 24, please watch. There's something powerful Jesus said there. and I, I want to give somebody that this morning. Verse 24, Matthew 25, verse 24. Then he who received the one talent, that person that thinks he doesn't have anything, that person that is frozen, that person that is not using the things God has given him, that is like that woman in 2 Kings 4, I don't have anything but a pot of oil, despising what you have, not doing anything with what you have. Hear the word of the Lord this morning and be wise. This is not to condemn you. This is to make you better. Lord, I knew you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown. I know you are not like that. Praise God. Gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I went and I hid your talent to the ground. This is who you are if you are not doing anything with what God has given you. Hid his talent to the ground. Tell anybody, you are are not to live like that. So Jesus told him, verse 26, you wicked and lazy servant. Please, I've said this to you before. This is not Osho the bus stop. He is not abusing him. You know, in our lingo, when you call somebody wicked or lazy, the person can take offense. Ah, Why is he talking to me that way? No, we are trying to help you, sir. We are describing your character your attitude, your habits. We are describing what you are doing. We are not abusing you. Hello, somebody. You see, you, to treat something, you have to diagnose it. What does it mean to be wicked? To be twisted. You are not thinking like we think in heaven. You are allowing yourself to be conformed to the world where you are living in. You are allowing the wilderness you are going through get the better of you. Oh, what does it mean to be lazy? You are not doing something with what you have. And you cannot prosper. By that I mean manifest prosperity that way. You wicked and lazy servants. Watch the advice, which is the advice I want you to catch. And that's why I'm reading this to you. Verse 27. You ought... To have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I will have received back my own money with interest. And of course, you know how we tend to take the talent from him and give it to Pastor T. Praise the Lord. What's the advice? And Please, I'm talking to the one talent people right here, right now. That guy that you are not really doing anything with what God has given you. I'm challenging you, don't live like that. You can't prosper that way. Don't live like that. What are you to do? Find a banker. Who is a banker? Somebody that is doing something with what he has. You know that's what banks do with your money. <laughs> I was talking with my dad during the week. And it was like, all this keeping money in the bank, self. You, you, you don't know what to do with your money. You know what banks do with your money? They trade with it. Ah, banker, Abi. The business that you should be doing. <laughs> that you, that's what Jesus was teaching him here. Look around you. There's somebody doing something with what they have. There's one pastor down the block. 
Go and sign up for stewardship in his church. There's one businessman up your road. Go and volunteer to work with him. There's one athlete in the national stadium that is playing for Olympics. Go and find a banker. Look for somebody that is doing something with what he has. Plug yourself with him. Carry his water for him. Carry his table for him. Hallelujah. Just plug yourself with somebody that after a while, you will catch their secrets. Then you go and start your own bank. Can I tell you something amazing? Anybody you see doing anything on the face of the earth, many people started from that. They didn't know God's plan for their life. I'm a classic example. But I tagged along with one Dr. K like that. It wasn't called Dr. K then. Find a banker. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And steward your talents. Glory be to God. Did you get that this morning? So please, look at the time you have. You have time, oh. If there's one resource all of us have in common, some of us have more money than other people. Some of us have more abilities than other people. Some of us have more resources than other people. But one thing all of us have in common, somebody say with me, 24 hours a day. Connect it with somebody. Hallelujah. Connect it with somebody. And if you're already banking, glory be to God. Please go from two talents, talk to me somebody, to five. And from five to what? And from ten to what? Keep getting better and better. I tell all the leaders in this church, this church must not remain the same. And I thank God the church is not going to remain the same. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? Why? We are all supposed to be what? Stewarding our talents. Hallelujah. And listen, as we do that, we will prosper beyond comprehension. Rise on your feet this morning. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-0000640.